Hello and welcome to episode 19 of One Controller Port Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Yoder, here today again, back by myself. It is a One Controller Port Podcast with one controller. There's no controller daisying chaining here. Uh, it's been a little bit since we had a normal episode because it was GameStop Expo uh, a couple weeks ago and then also uh, Paul was here last week. So this week we're going to go back to kind of a normal flow. Um, I don't really have a particular news story or anything like that that I want to talk about. Well, I guess it is kind of related to news. Um, so, one thing I kind of wanted to, um, I don't know if talk about this. <laughs> hmm, I don't know the best way to put this. So, I'll just get into it. So, the, uh, Nintendo had announced that they, for the Super NES Classic, there would be, uh, they would be produced into into 2018, and um, that the NES Classic would be coming back and also being, uh, you know, released in 2018 when those come back around. Um, I really, I tried to get a Super NES Classic. Uh, I, I got in that original Walmart uh, pre-order time that was actually not supposed to happen, so I was able to get my pre-order in. And then they canceled them all because they're like, oops, we weren't actually supposed to do that. And then come to come time to actually do the real pre-orders, um, I wasn't able to actually get those uh, those pre-orders or that pre-order. And so I'm, I'm happy to hear that they are still planning on making more. And I really hope I can grab it. With the NES Classic, I was not so, um, I guess, disappointed might be the word. Like, if I look at the games on the NES Classic... Uh, you know, I've played Super Mario Brothers. My copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 doesn't work, um, so that would be nice, because I've never played through the entirety of Super Mario Brothers 3, but, like, I don't really want to play Donkey Kong on NES. I've beat The Legend of Zelda. I do need to go back and replay Mega Man 2 at some point, but I have the Mega Man Legacy Collection, so I can do that if I need to. Um, Pac-Man, you can ignore. Final Fantasy... Uh, the NES version, I don't know if I'd ever play it, but it is a curiosity. But a lot of these games on this list for the NES Classic, like, it'd be nice to have them. Like, I don't have Kid Icarus. Um, I don't have Double Dragon or Bubble Bobble or Tecmo Bowl and Castlevania 2 I've never played through. And it's a lot of smaller stuff. There are things that I would play, like Gradius, but it's not something I absolutely need. Just, like, in terms of... If I look at the sheer money value of buying these games on, like, Virtual Console, uh, buying the NES Classic would probably be overall cheaper um, to get all these. Now, would I ever buy these games without it being on the NES Classic? I think the answer is probably no in a lot of these cases, um, especially the NES Classic specifically. Um, but it was something that was like, I, it would be cool to have, and there are a lot of games on this list I've never played, and I wouldn't mind playing. It's just a matter of um, finding a reason to do so, and having them in my library makes that a lot easier to to convince myself that I should get around to it. So, with the Super NES Classic, though, so, so I had an NES growing up, um, or not, I guess I, I was like, 13 when I got mine so I had to, by the time I got an NES it was already old and I still have my NES it doesn't work great but it works to some extent I gotta get the actual pins changed inside because you know those bend um so I gotta get that, those pins swapped out um but I still have NES and I I've played a few quite a few NES games at the very least the Super Nintendo I grew up around it 
Um, but I didn't play that many games for it. I grew up with like Donkey Kong Country, uh, played some F-Zero growing up, although I really didn't like it when I was a kid. It wasn't until I played Maximum Velocity when it was re-released on 3DS that I, uh, that I actually got in the groove of like old school, uh, F-Zero kind of gameplay. Um, and then what else did I play? I linked to the past, but I didn't really play that again until later in life. I've written some articles about how I feel about linked to the past and, you know, what my memories are with that and how I don't, I don't particularly attribute them to anything, I guess. Um, but the Super NES Classic has, uh, like, I guess I don't, I know, so, so at one point I had a Super Nintendo, but I gave it to my sister and then that Super Nintendo died. So it just never was actually used that much uh we had a handful of games but i mainly played on like my uncle's super nintendo growing up and stuff like that paul hey specifically paul (laughs) um so the snes classic uh, is it has a lot more stuff on it that i'm interested in and i hate to say it but i feel like a lot of nes games don't age very well where the where the uh, Super Nintendo is kind of like a golden era of 2D game design. A lot of times I talk about how I feel like 2D and 3D gaming went through kind of the same phases. Like you have, um, you know, obviously this is only the mainstream consoles that we're talking about, but like we have the the Atari uh, level stuff, Atari 2600 and like television stuff. It's like this baseline thing of like, we can do 2D. It's not great. Like the games aren't particularly great. You can find value in them, I'm not saying they're bad games per se, but but we can do 2D games, and then the NES is like, we can do 2D games plus more, and, and it's not exactly polished, like people don't really 100% know what they're doing at times, but they make, um, they make games that I think could still be appreciated today in a lot of cases, but not all games do. Um, where I feel like Super Nintendo was really the perfection of 2D game design, even though there was stuff, you know, in the PlayStation and Saturn. Um, and then you, I feel like you kind of had that cycle repeat when you got like the Nintendo 64, PlayStation, and Saturn's like, yes, we can do 3D games, but it's kind of a nightmare if you look back at it. <laughs> I, I can put up with it. I know a lot of people can't though. Um, and then with like GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox, it's just like, there are games in there that play very well even today, um, but it is kind of like a like a half step of like there are still a lot of games that just don't understand how 3D game design should be. And then with like the 360, PlayStation 3, and uh, and to some extent the Wii, uh, you really saw like this golden period of like we have figured out 3D game design and we are producing like hit after hit after hit after hit of games. Um, so I like to make that comparison. So I feel like the Super Nintendo is kind of like the best of 2D gaming, at least before, you know, the indie game scene uh, showed up. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of games on this list because I, I really didn't play that many Super Nintendo games. There's a lot that I would like to play. Um, I haven't really played through Super Mario World. Um, I definitely still need to play through Super Metroid. I haven't done that. I never played Super Punch-Out. Like I played Castlevania 4. <sighs> Um, Earthbound is one I really would want to get to. I I played Yoshi's Island on GBA, but I always hear how that version's kind of eh. So I wouldn't mind checking out the Super Nintendo version. I might not beat it or anything like that, but but there's just like a lot more value. And I'm a big Star Fox fan in terms of like Star Fox 64 Assault and um 
and uh, Command. Uh, I didn't play Star Fox Zero, unfortunately, but I've always wanted to go back and play the original Super Nintendo Star Fox, but I didn't have a Super Nintendo to play it. And I was hoping with like the Nintendo 3DS that they would do like a 3D classic version of Star Fox that never came to be. And I think there's actually some interview with Dylan Cuthbert out there that they had started working on a 3D classics versions, but never actually finished it. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to play Star Fox and things like that. The Super Nintendo classic. I... <laughs> I should get a Super Nintendo at some point, but it's one of those consoles that I feel like the Super Nintendo is popular enough at this point that anything you buy for it is going to be kind of pricey for the most part. I wouldn't mind having one, but there's just other consoles I'd rather spend my time focusing on. Um, I think I, I think original PlayStation still has a lot of great stuff. I haven't had a chance to really sit down and look at. You know, I want to keep digging into the Wii's library, uh, PSP, PlayStation Vita. Uh, the Wii U, I have a lot of games on there I haven't finished playing. Nintendo 64 is also a big one. Even though I played a lot of Nintendo 64 games, there's a lot more that I would like to check out. And and I just think about like all these consoles I have and how overwhelming it is. And then I was just, It's kind of like the Sega Saturn. I'm like, do I really want to pick up this console? Not only is it like a console that... <laughs> Like has a lot of great games on it, but it's great games people know and have talked about and have really dug through. I don't think you're going to find too many Super Nintendo like exciting games that aren't just like, oh yeah, it's I, I know this game's going to be good. Because um, for me, a lot of games is trying to find games that are good and um, or interesting. Um, but if like my full expectation of something like, you know, Chrono Trigger is that it's really, really good, and everyone thinks it's really, really good. Um, (laughs) I don't know, I just just have less of a reason to really pursue it. So yeah, I would like to get a Super Nintendo Classic, and I'm glad they're making more. Um, Because it's just kind of ease of access, and I like to have official products if possible. I don't really like playing emulators, even though, okay, let me reword that. Super NES Classic is an emulator, but I don't really like playing, like, unofficial emulation because you get kind of mixed results at times, although I'm sure Super Nintendo emulation is fine. Um, but I was recently just trying some PCFX emulation and having some trouble, and I'm just like, I should just buy the console so I know it plays just fine. But, like, there's a ton of audio issues. Uh, actually, let's go ahead and talk about that. So I actually imported a ton of games recently um, from Japan. Um, and I thought I'd go ahead and go through some of them, because I don't know when or if I'll ever talk about them. Um, I just got a huge stack in front of me, um, and I might just go through these one, one by one. Uh, but speaking of the, the PCFX, I got, uh, I believe it's Angelique in Wonderland? I believe that's the English title for this game. Well, the English translated title for this game. It didn't actually come out here, and, uh, it's a PCFX game, so this is like a... A, uh, I think it's a 95 released console uh, that was kind of a sequel to the, the, the PC Engine or TurboGrafx-16. And it focused on, you know, full motion video and uh, uh, 2D sprite work and stuff. Um, and uh, I've also played another game on it called Team Innocent. And uh, I made a video about Blue Breaker Burst, which is actually a PlayStation 1 game. But the original Blue Breaker is a PCFX game. Um so Angelique in Wonderland's like this uh, mini game collection. Uh, I think it's a it's like a visual novel dating Otome thing to some extent. I believe normally, 
Uh, but this is like a mini game collection for it. And uh, I put it in. I was having a bunch of audio issues with the PCFX emulator I was using. To actually buy PCFX. I think it's like 20, 250 bucks to import one. Um, but yeah, just kind of poking around with it. I haven't put nearly enough time into it to really say too much about the game other than uh, it's not as accessible as I thought it would be being a mini game collection. I was very confused. <laughs> like this cat appeared and then I got sent back to the main menu. Um, I was like, perfect, great. Uh, but it looks like it could be cute. There's like a, like a little Tetris game on the screenshot back on the back here. So there's something in there that I could play. It's hard to, to not be able to understand like a Tetris game when it's in Japanese. Um, most of these are going to be PlayStation games. All these from here on out, I believe. Um, I also got Battle Arena, Toshinden, um, or sorry, Nito Shinden. Uh, which is like a, uh, a chibi uh, version of the Battle of Rena series with these little uh, super deformed characters. Um, and I wasn't, I was kind of surprised. It, it kind of reminds me, if you look at the, the screenshots, it kind of actually reminds me a little bit of South Park and how the characters look and like their, their facial expressions and things like that in game. But like the, the characters have this weird, stretchy, um, almost like, water-like movement to them it's very strange i wasn't expecting it i was expecting something closer to like um what was that game called the virtual fighter to like super deformed kind of thing where it's, it's like basically virtual fighter with like these very tiny characters but this game just plays really strangely uh it's really hard to put into words it's uh, it's just like it's almost like you are a blob floating in water hitting opponents it's it doesn't play i would say it doesn't play well uh, but it, it it might just take some time for me to really get used to it. So it's it's cute at the very least, and there's like this weird FMV like tutorial video in it <laughs> that I thought was funny. But I this if I if I cover one, I think this might be one that I end up uh, talking a lot about. Uh, this next one I actually got a while ago. Um, Gun Gauge. So I imported it from Europe. I believe this might be. Uh, I don't think it's a UK. I think it might be. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's a PAL game, um, and this is a, a uh, Konami uh, Tokyo developed game, KCT uh, or something like that, who worked on um, a lot of the 3D Castlevania games after Castlevania 64, uh, and the uh, it's, it's like a third-person shooter at the time when third-person shooters on consoles were very, <laughs> very uh, undetermined in how you control them. Uh, it, it it's very slow and wonky you have like this cursor you're moving around and you're controlling your character via d-pad there's no like second there's no like free aim unless you like lock lock into the ground or something like that and it's a, like a left and right strafe um but it's got a nice style to it the composer i believe is actually the a uh what's her name something kojima i forget her last name but uh or her uh, first name um but it's got really nice, uh, I don't know if I'd say Castlevania-like mu- music, but it's kind of like a a very like bombastic soundtrack with like a lot of layers of instruments and stuff. And uh, this one I'll probably talk about. I just got to figure out um, how to actually capture PAL footage because uh, it's 50 hertz. Um, so I actually have a projector here that does 50 hertz um, that, I, that I, the reason I imported this game is because I found that, well, yeah, because I found that PAL projector. And then I also had to import a PlayStation 2 from Europe um, because the color was off if you don't use like a 
a PlayStation um, that has either been modified to support PAL or is actually a PAL PlayStation. So I also got Love Para Para. This is a, uh, or sorry, Love Para. Lovely Tokyo Para Para Musume. Um, this is a, a rhythm game. Uh, which It's a little weird. It's like, instead of having a, like, a consistent bar of notes you're hitting, you have these two little blobs. Um, and in these blobs, there's the PlayStation icons that you plus the, or the PlayStation controller icons that you press. Uh, but when you, when you, when you complete a blob, so you like hit the four notes in it, you actually redo those inputs again. So you do them twice for some reason. And then you go to the next blob and then you do those twice. Then you go back to the first blob and you do those twice. It's, it's really weird. And I'm not sure if the game's any good. Apparently it came out here and, um, uh, or at least Europe, but I think it came out in America too. I don't know what it was called. But uh, the music in the video I saw for the American one looked pretty bad. And I don't know if that's still the same case for the Japanese one. If it was like licensed music they had to replace. Or if it's just the same music and kind of bad. But it's got a nice style to it. I like the character art on the front. Um, it's like this very like... I forget what it's called. Like Gal... Gadu or something like that. I don't know. Like very makeup-y dressed up uh, thing. Megatudo 2096 is like a mech arena-based fighting game almost. It's not like a virtual on per se. It probably has more in common with like a Battle Arena Toshin than a 3D fighter. Um, I played a little bit of this and um, I think it's a two-button fighter from what I saw. So it's very simplistic, but there's a lot of movement options where you can like kind of jet around screen a bit. Um... And there's like a, a meter you're building up and that meter seems to um, be connected with certain moves and like determines how much damage they do. Um, I played only a few rounds and I wasn't super into it. Uh, it's kind of like a sword and fighting game kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I just need to spend more time with it to figure out what's going on. Most of these games I only hit for like 5-10 minutes at most. Just to make sure they worked and then, you know, just check them out a little bit. Um... This next one is Mini Mori Dice de Pion, which is basically just a Mario Party clone. Uh, you roll around a board. I think Mini Mori Pion, Mini Mori might be like a a a idol group or something in Japan at the time, but um, but it's basically like a Mario Party game where you run around, you play mini games, you get these like hearts, I believe they were, um, and you know you do dice rolls and you go and land on places and you get different get different stuff uh surprisingly accessible for what it is um from what i played so i might spend more time with it um but i don't know if i want to try to like play it with someone because it might be kind of dense i don't know if like at some point you it might get dense in japanese it might get hard to to really uh understand but from what i played from the first two or three turns it seemed very accessible uh, I bought a Japanese copy of Parappa the Rapper. I probably don't need to tell you what Parappa the Rapper is. Um, but the Japanese copy is in English. And uh, holy crap. Playing on a CRT is so much better than playing on like an HDTV. I played the demo for the Parappa the Rapper that was released on PlayStation 4. I could not get the timing down at all. And don't get me wrong, Parappa the Rapper has weird timing in general. But, um, but it was a lot easier on the CRT TV to uh, actually do that. And the... Japanese version of Prapper the Rappa is dirt cheap for PS1. So 
that's the version I picked up. And um, I think, uh, so I think Um Jamer Lamy, which is kind of like the sequel to this game, even though it was a proper rapper too. So maybe you call it like a spinoff rather. Um, it's actually pretty pricey in America, but um, in, I think in Japan, it's actually pretty cheap. So I might go that same route once I get, once I finish Parappa for Um Jamer Lamy, just the Japanese version, because it's just English voice acting again. Uh, you just got to navigate the menus, and once you figure that out, you're good. Um, Senyo Pachinko Paradise. Senyo Pachinko Paradise is Pachinko, a digital version of Pachinko. Um, I thought of some kind of good comparison for this at one point. But it's basically just you stare at the screen and you like shoot these balls and they s you need to slightly adjust them to make sure they get into like a, a spot to like run a slot machine or something like that. It's like a slot machine with a little bit of skill involved. And then like the, the as you would, as the uh, balls have like different pressure when they come out of these like the, the little like launcher and then you have to just adjust where the balls fall uh, when using the launcher so. It seemed um, interesting. I don't know if I would spend more than a few minutes with it at a time. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if I was like listening to a podcast in the background. It's got some cute art. And there's definitely a lot of them. Uh, I think this one has two different pachinko machines. That I think I believe are real pachinko machines that these are based off of. I could be wrong, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's um for Japan only, as the back of the box says. I don't know. I, I probably won't spend too much time with it. All these were super cheap, and that's why I picked them up. But um, um, so this one I didn't. This uh, game I didn't pick up recently, but I I just happened to have it in my pile of Japanese games, PS One games here. So I decided to bring it over when I talked about it. Uh, and that's uh, shoot, I forget the American name. It's something like the Silvery Peak RPG or something like that. Um. And it's an ice climber RPG where you have like these little ice climbers that go up the hill. You hire ice climbers and you send them up the hill. And uh, as they go up the hill, they get in encounters. And rather than having like magic points, they have um, uh, money. And so you use that money to like fly in helicopters with medics to heal yourself or to like <laughs> call upon animals or like have a bunch of bulldozers come and run over the enemies. It's it's really cute. I didn't spend more than uh, much time. I didn't spend much time on it, but basically, from what I remember. You're basically trying to get your, your ice climbers to reach certain points on the map to kind of like claim these caves or something. Um, but I really need to spend more time with it. It's a simple series game, so I'm sure there's not a ton to it. But um, it's actually developed by Hunex, who did the Blue Raker series. So that's why I picked it up. Because um, I'm a Hunex... I don't know if I say I'm a Hunex fan. I like Blue Breaker Burst, and I think Blue Breaker is a fascinating franchise, and Hunex is a fascinating company. I, I Actually, I talked about Hunex on this podcast not too long ago, I remember, uh, but the Silvery Peak is uh, one of the games I picked up for them a while ago. That I would like to sit down and play it someday, but I'm a butt, and I take forever to play all these games. And then last... Uh, the last game I picked up was Tiny Bullets, which is almost like a, a 3D Zelda game, but instead of, like, having an arsenal of weapons, you just kind of have a slingshot with different ammo types, and, uh, it seemed pretty fun. Um, I think, <laughs> I actually think that the main character might have the same voice as the Link that's used in Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. It sounded super familiar, and I, I might try to figure out, um, if, 
if I end up recording the game and there's credits that are in English text or something like that, I might try to compare the voice actor names and see if um if it actually is them. But it's like a 3D, you know, Zelda game where you run around with a slingshot and you shoot things, so. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cute, and I actually don't know who made this. Let me let me look up the box. Contrail. We're going to do some live research here and see what Contrail made. Contrail Game Developer. Contrail is a company, according to Wikipedia, they made Legend of Lagaya, um, Tamago de Puzzle, Linda Again. Apparently they worked on Wild Arms 2. Let me see what they did on Wild Arms 2. They're just like a supporting developer on Wild Arms 2. Uh, Alundra 2, I'm guessing they also were a supporting developer on that or somewhere. I don't know. That says Matrix Software. I don't know. I don't know if I found them, but they seem to be uh, to work on a handful of small projects here. Oh, and they worked on um, um, Boko no Natsuyumi, which I believe is My Summer Vacation. Um, I'm, big fa- I'm a big fan of Attack of the Friday Monsters, which is like a spinoff of My Summer Vacation. I hope we get to talk about it one day. Maybe that day will be today. It's time for the fortune cookie segment. We're going to open this fortune cookie. And then uh, talk about the fortune cookie game. Alright, and the fortune cookie is... Blue Stinger. Uh, I was actually just talking about this game. Blue Stinger is... I don't know how... Okay. Blue Stinger is like a Resident Evil clone. Um, it is a 3D uh, tank control kind of game. You run around and uh, get key cards and stuff and open doors and fight these zombies like creatures. And you, you, when you hit them, they're like, <laughs> their limbs fall off and then like a ton of golden coins fall out of them. Um, and the game itself is kind of average. Uh, the nice thing about it is it has like a lot of different weapon variety. Um, each weapon from what I remember generally controls kind of uniquely or has some kind of like unique effect like there are some melee weapons that use the same melee animation but like the lightsaber version uh does like damage over time so as long as it's touching the enemy it keeps doing a consistent damage to them rather than like a single hit damage and stuff like that um but really I mean like what makes this game stand out is kind of the absurdity of it um and like it's self-awareness of that absurdity uh the game takes place on uh, christmas eve and you spend the majority of it in a like shopping mall with like christmas music playing and there's like ads all on the screen so you're under like killing all these zombies getting these key cards and there's just like this christmas music playing the entire time and you're playing like this this card game or not card game like a stamp game where you're going around this mall and collecting stamps and for some reason it has like the pen pen triathlon characters in there so you have like like you go to these little like kiosks and like hello i'm taco pen pete and stuff like that and it's just like this m-rated game with this really strange style to it and the voice acting is like that bad b-movie action voice acting it's a dreamcast game in front of i mentioned um but it's rendered in full 3d and the um the japanese version of the game actually has like fixed camera angles kind of like a Resident Evil, but in the American one, they um, actually put the camera behind Elliot's shoulder, or really just behind Elliot, uh, so it just chases behind him the whole time. Um, 
So if you play the Japanese one and the English one, you get kind of like a different perspective on a lot of the scenes. Unfortunately, neither of them really 100% work great. <laughs> they really need like a mix of both of them. Um, so it's just like, eh, eh, it works though. I think, I think either version's pr pretty playable. Um, but there's some scenes like there's a scene where you're like running up this tower and everything's exploding behind you. And in the Japanese version, uh, the camera's zoomed out and you can see the explosions chasing Elliot. But in the American version, because the camera's behind Elliot, you can't really tell what's happening. So you just hear like a bunch of explosions and you're running up this ramp. Um, and, uh, if you stand there long enough, the fire or the explosion will eventually catch up to you. It's just kind of like a really awkward scene in the American version more so than, than usual uh but it's really silly and um i wouldn't say it's a bad game i think a lot of people say it's a bad resident evil clone um i think it's it's pl plenty serviceable it's pretty average in terms of gameplay but the style is where it really matters the entire game is just filled with like ads for fake products and stuff and like santa's on like big screens winking at you <laughs> and, and it's got this like really bombastic score that's pretty great and and just like this really cheesy dialogue it's it's pretty amazing i i would highly recommend it um but i know a lot of people feel feel differently from that so so maybe look into it first or if you if you know you can put up with like kind of like average resident evil clones i say like yeah check it out and yeah it's cool um it's the same people made ill bleed so if you liked ill bleed uh you might be into it so that's going to do it for this week. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a great week for this week. Um, I can't remember what I posted lately. Let me go ahead and pull it up. Um, recently, I did a, a review on Crimson Tears. Uh, secret, secrets, that review is actually like five years old, and I just never published it. And so I just basically went and like cleaned it up as much as possible and put it back out there. So, yeah, I just needed to... Like, it, was, it had been sitting in my queue for such a long time, and the reason why is because I was like, I was trying to be really funny with the original one, and it just didn't work out, and I shoved it to the side and never did anything with it. Um, but I needed something to put out that week, so I was like, eh, I could use this. I mean, it's complete. I just gotta, like, rework it. So, I reworked it, and um, played a little bit more Crimson Tears. That game's pretty alright, um, but it's, it's very, very grindy at the same time. <laughs> Um, I also put out an article on Final Fantasy XI uh, about how uh, the Treasures of Argon expansion uh, kind of changed the flow of that game in general. So, so yeah, check both of those out if you uh, are interested. Um, I didn't have anything this week, um, unfortunately. I, I got busy, and things are going to be pretty busy here for the next like month and a half, two months. So I may have some issues posting stuff, but I'll try to keep stuff up on the site as much as possible. Um, so that, that'll be it. Thank you guys for listening and you guys have a good week. Bye.